0: Aslam Alaikum, you are listening to Mommy Wall Muslim, a podcast designed with the Muslim American parent in mind addressing how to raise Muslim American kids born into a post-9-11 world.
1: We're covering topics ranging from potty training to politics, and no topic is off limits. Along with our
0: expert guests, we'll discuss what's new in the Muslim-American diaspora or just what's new at our own kitchen tables.
1: Join our co-hosts, Zaba Hassan and Anousma Jafri, who have a combined eight kids and 25 years of parenting experience,
0: as well as just enough crazy between them, while they pioneer this journey we call Momming Mom While well Muslim. Muslim.
1: Welcome to the first episodes for Mommying While well Muslim podcast, a crazy passion project that some nut job moms decided to do because they ran out of laundry. Just kidding. Who does laundry anyway? Zeba and I wanted you to understand a little bit about who we are and why we're doing this. My primary job when people ask me what I do for a living, I tell them I'm a mom. I have a 10, 9, 7, and an almost four-year-old. He will be four in January. I have three boys and a girl. And my prayer, my hope... My goal is to raise Muslim men and women who are known for their faith, their kindness, and their duty to their communities, and that my descendants will do the same. I bring this momming experience to the table with a traditional Muslim background as the child of immigrants, and we all know that the largest population of Muslims outside of Indonesia is from subcontinental India, so I do have that background with beautiful rich traditions, but also with some very toxic rules and taboos that sometimes made it very hard to reconcile Islam and America, and sometimes Islam and humanity. So really interesting to to unpack some of that, and I hope that we can do that together. You should probably introduce us to a little bit of background about yourself, Zeba. So
0: Assalamualaikum, my name is Zeba Hassan. I also am a mama of four. Um, Uzma is like my sister mom in the sense that I have three boys and a girl as well. Um, I, unfortunately, am a little bit ahead of her in the sense that I have um, the grumpy teenager, 15, 13, um, 7, and 5, and I say that in part for being funny, she yes. Means fortunately, not I mean he's a great, it, and, and and I agree with you in the sense that I I take the responsibility of raising children, um, in America these days and trying to keep their identity. That's literally my number one job. I'm an event marketer, so I plan events and conferences for other people. But my number one job for me personally is being a mother. It's truly my best gift. It's um, something I take super seriously. And I own it. Like I I, I used to feel a little bit, you know, when people are like, oh, you have so many kids. I don't know how it is for you. No, it's the same thing. Why do you have? And it's really not. No, don't talk to my grandma. That's my point. My point is I don't necessarily feel that four is huge, but I do think it's definitely more unusual than it used to be. And I have to say like, and they're like, oh, you must be super busy with all kids stuff. And I'm like, yes, I try to go to all their basketball games. Like you're the soccer mom. I'm the basketball mom. And I'm the biggest cheerleader because, quite frankly, even if they're annoyed, they appreciate me in the background. And I'm definitely noticing the importance of being more involved as they get older, counterintuitively, than when they're younger because they need more of that emotional behind-the-scenes support that I don't know about you, but like we definitely did not get that when we were younger because, you know, both of my parents worked. I don't think the importance... Well, we didn't have activities. Yes. You know, it was just one of those things where I I definitely feel super strongly about that. And to your degree, like when you were mentioning about like raising strong Muslim men and women, that really is an important goal of mine Um, and having them be more globally aware citizens because with the internet, with the way that the world is actually a lot smaller. Right. Right. than it was um, back when even we were younger. So being super aware in, of their surroundings and what their places in the world is very important to me as a
1: mother. And with us being the last generation to know uh, America before 9-11, I think we bring a lot to the conversation about how things have changed, but yet uh, the potential that we have, because we've seen it before. That's exactly right. And honestly, being able
0: to provide resources for other moms like ourselves in similar situations, whether we're learning through um, our dialogue with you and myself or other types of experts in their area or moms that are obviously already been there, done that. Like those are the moms that I really want to reach out to because we're like, I always say my story is still being written and I'm a, I'm a big believer in reaching out to other people that are more experienced than myself.
1: Yeah, for those of us in the trenches, we're really counting on y'all who have already done this and have adult children or grown children or children older than ours um, to tell us what worked for you, what didn't work for you, and what needs you've already ascertained that exist in our communities. Because we want to make that mainstream information. We want to make that accessible information for the rest of our sisters who are up and coming. Um, maybe they're just starting their families. And it's really, really scary. I can't Imagine what they're going through right now because I was so petrified 11 years ago when I was pregnant. So it's a whole nother ball game for the millennials who are now starting their families. I want to call attention to the fact that Zeba and I have not actually physically been in a room together in over 20 years. That's exactly right. That is absolutely nuts to me. Ziba, you got married while we were still in college and then, you know, there's that natural distance that grows as you're trying to grow your family and I was uh, busy trying to grow my family. Going education to med school for the career. record. Going
0: to med school.
1: <laughs> yeah. Just this little it. blip on the radar. Let's, let's put that out there. We ended up connecting on social media when, uh, Ziba, you had, you had four at that time and I was about to have my third or had just had my third. The beauty of social media, like,
0: I do, I, you hear, you know, Facebook in the, in the news and I get the whole concept of the privacy, like, I understand that, but, for me, it's it's a, like the whole we're being watched. Oh, yes. But I feel like we're being watched anyway, right? Like I live a, a literally a mile and a half away from the CIA. You best believe no they way, know what, what I'm doing and where I'm going. Like it's all good, right? And so I just kind of, I really appreciate social media from that perspective because maybe it doesn't give you an in-depth interaction with that person, but it's enough where then when you do reach out or you can actually see or meet each other, you can kind of pick up where you we left off. I grew up with a unique, um, at, at the time, uh, my parents were a mixed couple. My mom being an American Muslim convert and my dad being a Pakistani immigrant. And that's how we know each other. Our dads are actually friends, like old school friends and we are I think they, were roommates. they were roommates at one point and so that's the cute thing right so that kind of connects the two of us and the fact that we, we live very similar or parallel lives is the beauty of being able to do this with you and reconnecting with you as an adult having kind of grown up together back in the day
1: I was not allowed ever to spend the night and you had that same experience. And suddenly our dads get back together when we're like 14, 15 years old and we're allowed to go spend the night at another mutual friend's house. And both of us are like, what, what, how did this happen? Yes. <laughs> so what I love is despite our pretty similar backgrounds, they're also pretty different. I mean, our dads culturally might have been the same, but you know, the cultures that they adopted, required them to make certain adaptations in the way that they raised us and shaped us as mothers to our children. For instance, when we're talking about, say, culture, since I have brought that up, my dad pretty much raised me to not only walk into a room and turn heads because I'm a Muslim Pakistani woman, it was also very much, hey, you are always going to be different, so you may as well just be unapologetically Muslim unapologetically Pakistani. So I was the kid that voluntarily wore kameez to school, wore them to ceremonies. <laughs> These are so funny. And people made fun of me. Sure they did. But it was like, I'm going to be different and I'm going to love it. I'm going to flaunt it. I'm going to accept it. But that's not necessarily something that my kids are going to do. So yes. I don't know how to navigate that i don't know what the native-born generation of american muslims wants to do so for that reason i kind of want to find a happy medium or the right way to do it for my kids we learned so much from our dads. We're very much a reflection of our moms and the way that they parented. And I don't think the immigrant moms had the luxury of being able to worry about things like self-care and self-love because it was really a matter of survival for them, right? And for me, it's always been very much about how do I protect my sanity because I realized very early on having undergone postpartum psychosis and figuring out that I'm not bipolar. I'm actually OCD with the high level of anxiety. Um, thank you genetics, right? And it's probably the nature of my work as well. But motherhood actually brought all of that out to the surface. So self-care, self-love has always been really important to me. And so I make it a point to at least every month, but recently every week going in for a massage, making sure that I'm finding time to center myself. This is not something that we learn for our moms. This is something that we had to learn for ourselves, at least as a child of immigrants, that this isn't necessarily a luxury, but a very important thing to do as a mom. And it's going to make me a better parent. So those are the kinds of things that I've been able to find out on my own. And I hope that, you know, that's something that we can share going forward with our listeners. That's awesome. I'm
0: just, I'm the opposite. I at The thought of somebody touching me, it just like totally creeps me out. So <laughs> like random people kids. always give me gift certificates for massages because I think they're like, oh, you just des- you need this? And I'm kind of like, oh no. Yeah, who can I give this you to? You give them away. This is not my, I actually do the opposite. Like for me, yoga is that. Yeah. The stressor, like I try to do that two to three times per week. Just it literally is my way of decompressing because I agree with you. I think you need, whatever it is, you need to find time as a mom to like be able to recharge, reset and refocus, to be honest with you, because I don't know how it is for you, but as soon as my kids come home, I'm on and I'm in, I I, I convert from work mommy to home mommy. And honestly, my kids, I I had the opposite experience from you. My, both of my parents worked. I was a latchkey kid from a very early time. time. Um, I was the one helping with the cooking and the cleaning. My mom says to this day, she was like, you ran our household. Like it wasn't, it wasn't, it was like your job. And that's really what it was. Like I had to do all of those things. I, I was never really allowed to be a kid to, to kind of be taken care of. Um, and even now, and my parents would ad- will admit, like, I, I'm still in that – caretaking role. I'm not the I'm not the in the receiving. And I feel like that that's definitely shaped how I parent, because I go out of my way to make sure that my kids are being kids, like they're not in charge or responsible for things that are not age appropriate. Like that's and it could be that I provide like, I'm totally giving them like
1: too much a different
0: experience than myself. And maybe I'm not setting them up and for life but i i try to be that mom that's at the reading groups that goes to the field trip that makes sure i end my work at a time where when they're home i convert like to the point where sometimes like my oldest specifically is like what do you mean you're working like he doesn't even know (laughs) (laughs) he doesn't get it because i try to be done i try not to have it interfere the concept of women having it all right like there's different definitions for that it's a lie but um it it (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And and that's the truth of the truth of it too. Like it, for me, I probably do the exact opposite of what it was done for me. I'm kind of as an adult understanding the the reasons why they did the things that they did, but I'm in a fortunate situation where you know, I can be there for my you children um, in all capacities, and that's definitely what motivates me as a parent and as a mom.
1: Do you think there was any benefits to you being so responsible? You know, because it seems like you basically had the perfect training to be the perfect. <laughs> well, I have to say, like I'm a hustler. Like I worked full time while I
0: went to school. You know, and I, I remember I worked full time. I was um, I got married after my sophomore year of college, right? Like, so I definitely have a different perspective yeah. than a lot of people that were in my situation because I kind of. Had to grow up. I became a mom fairly young, too, right? So right. that also colors my experience. I'm usually the youngest mom in the group. Where even with my even with my younger two, I would have yeah. thought by the time I had them. Like I would be on mm-hmm. the older side and I'm not. And that's actually yeah. really surprising to me because I'm like, <laughs> thank God. Oh my God. Like it was definitely a tough challenge <laughs> being pregnant in my thirties versus in my twenties, you know, uh-huh. Uh-huh. but no, it, it really is one of those things. And, you know, you have three boys and I have a son that l- literally looks like a man right now and he's yeah. definitely at a stage where he is getting the Muslim man treatment and he doesn't quite understand that. And that was one of the, the, the reasons why I wanted to start this and, and and wanted to start it with you because we we can provide unique perspectives and we have access to a lot of cool resources that can help all of us kind of navigate these uncharted waters. Cause that's what it is. Because our children, I was reading a definition our children are actually considered native born. Mm-hmm. Now we are f- considered first or second generation. Right. And our children are literally native-born. They have zero ties to any other country but America, right? Right. And so so they're in a unique perspective, too, because they – At least for us, we don't necessarily hold on to our ethnic heritage per se, um, just because I do feel like pushing the Islamic heritage has to supersede, you have to supersede that because they don't have any relation to Pakistan or India or, you know, whatever country
1: that a parent has come from. I think that's definitely something that I am trying to instill in my kids, but it's just a struggle to figure out what it is that you hold on to and what you have to let go in the interest of their Islamic identity. So
0: really focusing on that Islamic heritage, I think um, whatever that means or whatever definition that is for you and your family is really what is motivating me to start this podcast because I don't necessarily think that there's anything like this out there in kind of connecting American Muslim parents here today.
1: Agreed. And I think the key word that you use there is, um, connecting us and, you know, the issues that are all relevant to us. I think that we just need a safe place to be able to discuss things like mental health issues that parents and their children struggle with, medical conditions that they struggle with, political issues that are going to touch us in some way, shape or form, social crises that are going to affect all of us. At some point, uh, given the way that um, our country and our world are going, I think connecting us to those problems and showing us all how they're relevant to each of us and giving us tools or connecting us to tools that will help us deal with them is what this podcast is going to bring to our community that's so needed. Because we've been disjointed long enough, and it's just high time that, you know, the Ummah as a body connected, at least in America, and I think we can model that for the world.
0: No, I totally agree. And honestly, even my hopes is to hear also from this next generation of kids that are actually currently living, you know, like, what are their perspective? How would they like to be parented? Like, what do they
1: want their parents to know. See, that's totally brilliant. I'm always impressed by awesome kids and I'm asking them periodically like who's your mom? Dude, I need to talk to your mom. Like how did she raise you? And inevitably the moms will say, "I have no idea. Allah did it." It's like, "No, no, you need to write down Whatever you did, like every single thing you did, and what you fed them, because I need to know how to make this amazing person like you did. Like honestly, I wish I would have been
0: able to tell my parents. You know, they were super mm-hmm. strict, as you and I had chatted about. I never did anything that would get them give them cause, right? And 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 uh, it was guilt by association, exactly. And I get that too because they're <laughs> oh, definitely no. navigating a world that they then themselves did not know because they didn't grow up here. They didn't understand on the social mores and the expectations and all that that we do that we can provide our kids right now cuz I have to be honest with you, my son went to homecoming because I'm like, you know, I know what it's like. He took a girl. I'm not even going to pretend like he didn't. It was a friend of his. And I'm like, you know, as long as you keep it, you know, PG, like we're, we're good. And honestly, they just hung out, came home, and it was the end of it. Like there was none of this trying to sneak out going, because quite frankly, you demystify. That's it. You exactly right. Because right where we are unique is that we were born and raised here, right? And we, yes. we definitely have a different way of approaching parenting than even our parents even my own mom, I mean, my situation is unique, obviously, because my mom was born and raised here as well. But but being interracial had its own thing, right? So that yes. uh, it's a whole nother set of issues in the sense that like, my poor dad, like, when we would be with them, they'd be like, are those your kids? And are you trying to kidnap them? And you know, it just Yeah, and he still talks about that to this day, which I think is hilarious. But my 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 whole point is, we did not have and do not have those types of resources that and, – and honestly, even our parents, when you think about it, they were pioneers in the sense that they came here without anything, right? right? And, and the fact that they were able to grow their families, they did the best that they can. But now we have a different perspective. Right. We. Can talk about these things about postpartum depression, the the psychosis, the the mental health issues within even our own communities that sometimes they did not even want to talk about, right? Like they'd rather talk about maybe there's a gin um, possessing you versus <laughs> yeah, you know you might actually have it's always a gin
1: when a or black gin magic
0: possession. or there's some nuzzer no no or you need medication like that's that's okay too you know and and that's the unique perspective that I think you and I can bring um, because. We are of a generation that is still kind of the bridge between the old world and the new world. And our kids are that new world. Like they are, they're, their pioneers of their generation, right? Because they're the first ones that don't have any ties to anybody and we're that bridge between the old generation and the new generation and i think it really is going to be super helpful for people to to be able to listen to us get our ideas figure out where our resources are coming from and maybe even create a dialogue about topics that we would not necessarily be talking about
1: so as we mentioned before we're really looking forward to hearing from moms who have kind of passed through these stages already and who can guide you and me as well as our other listeners on how to do this right especially when it pertains to those uh, really critical issues that maybe we did not grow up discussing and we've had to face and sometimes completely ill-equipped and have stumbled and fallen but we're trying to prevent that from happening to other people but you know if lay people who've had the experiences can't come forward then we're really hoping that y'all will contact us with experts or if you are an expert a relationship expert an expert of the neurosciences behavior development then we want to hear from you we want you here so that you can reach out to your community we've kind of set this up now hopefully to be kind of like a ready set go like we'll get you on it'll be interview style maybe if you want to do a presentation style we could do that but we're open to it And we would love to hear from our audience members whether you are one of these experts or whether you know one of these experts or whether you want to hear from these experts so that we can have those critical discussions and not stick our heads in the sand about them anymore
0: yeah my goal for the podcast is literally being able to have an open dialogue, very interactive with one another. And to your point, like you have experiences and concerns, like we want to hear from those parents because I think when we have honest, frank conversations, we can actually learn and grow from each other. True. And, and it allows us, I think, through open dialogue and frank conversation uh, and an ability to be self reflective in a way that I don't necessarily think we could have been without literally pulling the veil off of whatever topic or issue. And and, and, and parenting is messy. We have yes. to be honest with you. It's not all giggles and hugs and cuddles. Like you, it's down gritty. And you add the, for me, you add the extra layer of raising these kids in a post 9-11 America. It's actually another challenge because they don't necessarily have the strong Muslim identity that we had to be had instilled in us you see like because they don't understand why just from the nature of their name or how they look that they're being targeted for by the way things that they did not even they weren't even alive when ha- when it happened. Yes. So they literally do not have that like, my we just recently got TSA approved. I've been telling this story to everybody that will, li- will listen, because on our way to Chicago, one um, day this summer to visit our family, my son, you know, being six foot, almost six foot two, mashallah, and, you know, a big kid, but you know, he was 14 at the time, I didn't even think I had to have an ID for him. Literally, we were held up at security as to why he didn't have an ID, having to explain to these people, he's 14 years old, he doesn't need an ID, I've never thought to even have an ID for him or pack his birth certificate or pack his passport. Uh, And almost being late to, to my flight to Chicago, I realized, you know what, He's getting the Muslim man treatment, and he was so like, why are they doing this? And of course, feeling helpless, like you can't actually speak out. Because I'm thinking, are they going to pull him away from me? Is if I say, if I argue with the with them, like, is something going to happen?
1: Well, I'm really excited to talk about microaggressions and implicit racism because, interestingly enough. I have never felt a reason not to carry my children's ID, even when they were infants being held in a baby carrier, like nursing infants that I used to travel very frequently with on airplanes. But I think that is a testament. So despite having so much in common, why we have these very varied experiences in just our travel. And I think it's a function of institutional racism that we have in this country that we can also address during this podcast.
0: These are very real issues that our community specifically faces that not a lot of other communities do and and our kids are super confused because to them like you will never meet a more American kid than my son borderline almost Republican American boy you know and like he said he's like just because you're a liberal doesn't mean I need to be a liberal and you know good for you you get to
1: be that you have to oppose everything your parents do at a certain age, exactly and he wants to
0: do that but that's my point like and they don't understand why you have to speak out against other people if you're in a situation why when you're at on a basketball court they see your last name and they're like oh you're a terrorist like they just don't understand that so that is probably one of the main things that i would like to talk about is how to even help them be kids or as they're growing into adulthood here in america right now
1: Consider this, audience members, your official casting call to send us in what you need and send us in what you know, because I promise you, Zeba and I don't have the answers. We're looking for them and we're trying to put them in one place so that your regular office is a place of learning for you and you're not wasting time because... Let's face it, most of us serve the role of chauffeur. If we're not being a mom or working in some kind of a role outside of the home, we're spending a lot of time in the car. So if you could spend 30 to 40 minutes during your commute listening to an expert or even listening to another mom who's had a particular experience that could be beneficial for you, hey, you just got something accomplished while you were sitting in a bumper to bumper traffic.
0: Thanks again for joining Zaban, Ozma, and Mommy Well Muslim today.
1: Please email your thoughts or questions, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram because this podcast is catered to your needs. Make sure
0: you check out the show notes to find the links and resources for this episode. Remember to help a mama out and leave a review of the show as well as like it on your podcast app of choice because that actually helps us grow.
1: Tune in next Thursday to another episode of Mommy Well Muslim. alaikum everyone.